This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Office of Justice Programs is the largest grant-making piece of the Justice Department. So when it came to standardizing OJP's grants approach, staff had to balance the needs of the Bureau of Justice Assistance with those of the Office of Victims of Crime and four other organizations in the agency. For how they manage the six OJP offices with more than $5 billion yearly to 3,000 grantees, Federal News Network's Jason Miller spoke with the Principal Deputy Assistant Attorney General of the Office of Justice Programs, Katie Sullivan. It's really great to figure out how we can, as a grant-making authority, work with our partners, our U.S. attorneys across the country, You know, reminding our U.S. attorneys to be getting involved in their communities and with their state and local law enforcement, with their victim service programs. I also love the way that the Office of Justice Programs really touches every part of the community, from the youngest person to the oldest person. One of the things that you mentioned is kind of the six programs and and justice is, as you said, a huge grant making part of the federal government. And and I've been doing a lot of kind of work on grants. It's not an easy thing to get grants out the door. And especially as agencies, there's a lot of challenges that go with it. So do you spend a lot of your time focused on getting those grants out the door? Or is it more about making sure those six programs can get the grants out the door? Yes, that is a huge focus and priority of mine is to make sure that we are effectively and efficiently doing our job, which is to fund, you know, applicants. Each one of the six programs in the Office of Justice programs has their own political head of office. And so each operate very differently. They have, you know, their own personality. They have their own mission. So it's very important to give each program their autonomy. And at the same time, we have to coordinate some consistent policies, right? So that's where the balance lies, I think, with my office. For instance, everything goes through the office. All budgets have to be reviewed for all applicants. People who are awarded grants, they all go through our office of our chief financial office. That is a someone who reports directly to me. And so there is this coordination of how the grants are getting out the door. And a priority of mine was to streamline grants, streamline our processes internally, and make sure that we were doing a better job at getting you know, the money out the door to deserving applicants. Give me a sense of the priorities. How are you kind of focused on that to ensure grants processes are improved, are more effective and efficient? What we did is pull everyone together and say, okay, we're one team. And really what we want to do is look at our, we ask grantees to meet basic minimum requirements. Okay. So that's the first thing that an application is reviewed for is basic minimum requirements. And I said to my team, I think we need to review our basic minimum requirements. You know, our number one goal is to write solicitations or funding opportunities in a way that people can understand them, things that reflect what Congress has told us the funding is for. And then, you know, on the back end, once the applications are received, then effectively reviewing them through a merit-based review system and then uh, getting the money, as I said, out the door. So the first thing was to look at our paperwork and our solicitations, our funding announcements. And I think that our grantees this year are going to find that 
They're easier to understand. We're using plain language. In large part, we are not deviating from congressional, you know, what's in the appropriations bill or in certain statutes. We're trying to keep things very streamlined and clean. There's a lot of people I know from being, you know, I was a rural judge who ran both a DUI court and a drug court. And we would occasionally think about getting federal funding, but you pull up the application and it just looks like too much and it just seemed too complicated. And we did not have the, you know, the administrative staff to be able to do that. And I really want to make sure that our funding is available to everyone across the country and that they don't get tripped up just because it's too hard to understand. I mean, solicitations typically don't need to be 75 pages long, right? You can say the same thing in two sentences, not 10 paragraphs. One of the things that I think we should touch upon as we talk about management and management of people is these are weird times. I'm sure the Office of Justice programs, uh, if not everybody, a strong majority of the people in your office are teleworking. They're working outside the office these days uh, with the coronavirus pandemic ongoing. How do you manage from your perspective those people who are maybe not used to teleworking or not used to being out of the office or the people you would normally see every day? How does that change your style or how does that change your approach? It really does. I can imagine that some of our employees are struggling with it and some are thriving. I think we are very tele-ready here at OJP. And so luckily, we have been pretty business as usual, um, minus the travel, the speeches, the conferences, and things like that. I'm an extrovert big time. So I really miss it. I miss seeing everyone. And for us, our mission stays the same. And because we really are so tele-ready, we've been able just to sort of pivot and continue work. One of the things that I am really most thrilled about is President Trump in October of 2019 signed the executive order forming the President's Commission on Law Enforcement and Administrative of Justice. And I'm the vice chair of that commission. And that's just a huge deal. We haven't had a commission. A law enforcement commission has not been convened since President Johnson. You know, we have a report due to the president in October, and it looked like it was going to come to an end because we were all supposed to come together and do this. And we were able to put together teleconference panels, and we were able to continue the work with almost not a blip, which was a surprise. I mean, when all of this started coming up, and obviously for people's safety and health is our very first concern, and it was clear we weren't going to be able to travel We were able just to pivot, come up with this idea and form panels and just keep this work going. From your perspective, are you, for instance, having daily meetings, you know, every day at 9 a.m. through Teams or Slack or some other video teleconferencing system? Give me a sense of how things have changed for you as a manager. I am trying to do that. Of course, the first week was just managing the logistics and being on a lot of the administrative calls and just managing logistics, managing particular questions of employees about, 
you know, how things were going to affect them and what they were going to do. But now my schedule has actually just now reverted almost to what it looked like before, minus, as I said, the travel and the conferences and the speaking engagements. And so law enforcement commission meetings take up time. And then I have supervisory meetings. We've just brought in on two heads of office. So our smart office has a new director, and then Jessica Hart came on board as the uh, director of the Office of Victims of Crime. So I really am trying to check in with the two of them a lot because they came in and they haven't even had a face-to-face meeting with their staff yet. So I encourage them to FaceTime and talk one-on-one with every single staff member. And yes, I'm keeping in touch with my staff and Some of them hear from me more than they would like, believe me. Katie Sullivan is the Principal Deputy Assistant Attorney General for the Office of Justice Programs, speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Check out Jason's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.